Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is episode 101, 101 of the podcast here on Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm talking fast because we have so many facts this week. It's an extensive podcast that we have with our Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, because we are talking about the NBA, the National Basketball Association playoffs. Those start this week. The games, the play-in games already started on Tuesday, so we're already behind. So that's why we got to catch up and we got to bring you all these facts regarding playoff basketball. If you're into that, stick around. Even if you're not into it, you're going to learn something. So stick around because that's coming up right here on episode 101 of the Zaders Facts podcast. Before we get to all that, just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts, that are on this week's edition. Remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 101, rate and review the podcast, then go on all our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I'm on all those at Zander's Facts. That is Zander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it Spread the Facts. Zander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Zander's Weekend Facts. If you want a recap of the week's top headlines every Sunday morning, then you want Zader's Weekend Facts. That is free. It can go into your email inbox every Sunday morning. Episode subscription has the link. Sign up for that. And you can check out the Zader's Facts link tree because that has all the Zader's Facts links that you need everywhere. You can listen to the podcast where you can find the newsletter, the socials, and all the other Zader's Facts stuff. All the facts are on the Zader's Facts link tree, which is located also the link in this episode subscription. So go check that out as well. We have so many facts there. We have so many facts on this podcast. It is an extensive, fact-filled NBA playoff preview, as the title of this episode notes, because I brought in my senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, to talk about the NBA, because when we talk about the NBA, there's only one man I trust. Seriously? Well, I don't know if I trust him, but he likes to give facts, too. So we bring him on. We talk not just about playoff basketball, although we do preview all the games give our picks, including for the finals. You're going to want to tune in for that. But also, a little off-the-court news, which is also pretty important to the NBA in the next few seasons. So we're going to be talking about that as well. I just want to get to it right now because we got so many facts. It is a extensive, as I said, podcast on the NBA. Let's get to it. Let's get to our NBA playoff preview with our Zaders Facts NBA analyst, Tillbilly, as the Zaders Facts podcast continues. Sanders Facts. Oh my gosh, Hillbilly. I am pretty excited about this podcast. I don't know about you, but it is time for some professional playoff basketball. It has been quite the season in the NBA because I don't know if you all remember, but we began the year back in October. We were talking about teammates Draymond Green. He was punching Jordan Poole. And then we ended the regular season with Rudy Gobert punching Kyle Anderson. Fight me. How about that? A bookend the season. And, and Jaden McDaniel punching a wall. On the same team. <laughs> right at the same time, really. Uh, I mean, I think it all happens like, what, 10 minutes apart? That is the voice of Zaders Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly. He's back on the podcast to talk about this wild NBA season. Hillbilly, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How has this 
NBA season been to you? Have you enjoyed it at all? Just a little bit? Yeah, well, I think it's no surprise that my favorite player is Giannis. Duh. And he has had a very good season, uh, you know, right up there in the MVP conversation. And they've had a very good season. So I have enjoyed it. But no, it has been a really fun season to watch all together. There's been more parity in the, I mean, the West is so completely wide open. I mean, predicting someone to win out of the West is just, it, it could be any of a number of teams. And so that's made it a lot of fun. And we've also seen a lot of young talent, you know, develop and not necessarily the talent that I thought, like, I thought this was going to be Luca's year, but you know, mm. as we will talk about, mm. it certainly has not been Luca's year. Yeah. Um, but then we've watched other, you know, players like Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander just turn into complete superstars and, you know, things like that have been a lot of fun. So it's been a really good season. It's been a historic season. That too. This season, there have been six players that averaged 30 or more points this year, which is tied for most in NBA history with the 1961-62 season. How about that? You had Giannis, Luka, Embiid, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Damian Lillard, and Jason Tatum. And also, no NBA team this season was held in a game under 80 points which is the first time that's happened since the 1960-1970 season. These are facts. How about oh. that? Starting off the podcast with some facts. <laughs> I mean, oh my that's, gosh. I had not heard that one. That's, uh, I, I would have thought it, would have, it had been longer than that since, you know, I, I would think that last year everybody had scored more than 82, but that's a pretty bad game for an NBA team to score less than 80 points. But. Yeah. And it didn't happen this year. So this week on the podcast, the regular season is over. We are talking playoffs, playoff preview. We've got our picks. We've got our facts. NBA finals. Who's going to win it? Hillbilly and I have got our predictions, our fact-filled predictions to give to you all, breaking down all the teams that are in the playoffs and in the play-in, the teams that might make the playoffs. But before we get to our playoff preview which we got to get to because the games have already tipped off. The, pre- the play-in started Tuesday night, so we got to get to it. But before we do that, we're going to talk about a little off-the-court league news, not involving punches, just involving a collective bargaining agreement, also known as a CBA. Because what happened during the season was that the league and the Players Association agreed to a new CBA, which is going to ensure that there's not going to be a lockout from professional basketball through at least the end of the decade. And it also is going to change a couple things around the league, which I want to get Hillbilly's reactions on. The first one I want to talk about is the changes we're going to see to the salary cap and the luxury tax, which I think we both agree are trying to increase parity in the league. So right now, If you're not familiar with how the salary cap works in the NBA, it's a soft salary cap, which is the opposite of a hard salary cap. Soft salary cap means that the teams can spend more on players' salaries than the actual cap. The NFL, on the other hand, has a hard salary cap, so there's no circumstances where you can spend more than the salary cap. In the NBA, you can, and a lot of teams do. However, if the team spends higher than a level called the luxury tax line, Teams have to pay an incremental tax, which then gets redistributed to the teams that don't pay as much in salaries. This year, the salary cap in the NBA was about $123 million. Luxury tax threshold was about $150 million. Starting next season, 
the league is introducing another apron, if you want to call it that, or threshold, which is going to be about $15.7 million above the luxury tax line, which is meant to stop teams who are already paying at the threshold from acquiring new players without obviously offloading some salary elsewhere. So right now it would likely most hurt the teams that are spending the most, like the Bucks, the Clippers, the Warriors. So there's all that to digest, Hillbilly. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I think it's the rare occasion where we talk about off the court news that's good news. Um, mm. because I think there's peace in labor land here for the next what is it, six years? I think it's seven years, but they can both either one can opt out on the sixth, I think. Yeah, right around 2030. And you know, the the fact that it wasn't really a very acrimonious negotiation. I mean, we knew it was going to happen before it happened because everybody was pretty optimistic. You know, it makes me think it, it will be good, peaceful situation in the NDA for a while, which that's great news, you know, that we just basically got a, a pretty good guarantee that the next six years will, you know, will be able to watch the NBA. And then the things they got done, you know, they, we'll see. It's interesting to note because I think there actually is a hard cap in the NBA. It's just really confusing the way that they do it. Like, you know, you can't just sign anybody, as many players as you want. It's just that there is there is a soft cap and there's a hard cap. And then even the hard cap has so many exceptions to it mm-hmm. that you never see in the NBA or in the NFL, I'm sorry, um, where they have a true hard cap where it just, you cannot do it. There's so many exceptions built in to that. And I think one of the things that they did, or at least that, you know, I understand that they've done in the new CBA is trying to take back some of those exceptions. So that like, you know, a lot of these trades that have happened recently forming super teams wouldn't have been legal. Like I don't, I, I've heard like the Durant thing wouldn't have been able to happen. You know, a bunch of the, a bunch of the trades that have happened recently wouldn't under these rules to try to kind of stop that conglomeration of talent in just certain areas. So you've also got this thing with the league instituting a threshold for its awards, like MVP, uh, most best rookie, most improved player. So now, and to be included on an all-NBA team, you're going to have to play 65 games in a season. And obviously, this is a part of the larger argument of load management. And obviously, if this had been instituted this year, you're talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo not being in the MVP race because he didn't play 65 games this year, Hillbilly. Yeah, um, but he would have known about that. And a lot of those nights that he took off, he would not have taken off, you know, because there's so many financial incentives to being able to to get those awards. Like, especially, you know, one of the big dramas was with Jalen Brown this year with the Celtics, because if he hadn't, if he's not named an all pro or an all, uh, all NBA team, he's not eligible for a Supermax extension. So I, th- I think it's a good idea, um, but I don't think that they're really addressing the problem. And you know the, what they're focusing on is trying to address the problem of load management, which sucks. It's the worst part of the NBA. It just it's so awful on the fans. The fans are the one that that completely take the brunt of it, which is a really bad business model to have. So they are intelligently trying to address that problem, but they're not going to be able to do it. Like this is going to help a little bit. Because you know that you have to play the so many games, but it's only going to dent, you know, the problem a little bit. It's it's not going to fix it 
The only way they're ever really going to fix it is by lowering the number of games. They've done just about everything they can. Like with scheduling, back-to-back, as, as frustrating as they are, they happen less than they've ever happened. The, the NBA, you know, deliberately sets the schedules to try to keep that from happening. You know, we used to have crazy things happen, like you would have four games and like six nights. That never happens anymore. They've, they've really done all the tweaking they can do. The only thing left is the real basis of the problem is that there's just too many games. 82 games, the way that NBA players play the game now is too much. Human bodies can't do it. That's why every single year recently, the playoffs has been just as much about who's injured as who's good. And until they lower that number, I don't think they're going to be able to fix it. And there's no incentive to lower that number because that comes with a pay cut for everybody that's at the negotiating table. So they're never going to agree to that. The players won't, the owners won't. You know, it, it really stinks. I think it's going to take something like fans not going to games or whatever to get them to change their mind. But for right now, it looks like load management's probably here to stay. That's depressing. Yeah. And when you talk about lowering the number of games, Something we're about to talk about in just a second is actually kind of going to go in the opposite direction. But before we get to that, the last thing we're talking about, we're also talking about the one and done rule, which is something that has not changed. You still have to go to, well, at least college or the G League for a year and then come out of the NBA instead of coming out of high school, which apparently was not the decision of the owners, but of the players. To keep that in. Yeah, I think there was some talk of that. And I think that traditionally the understanding was that it was the players that wanted it. You know, but I mean, if you think about the roles of people at the negotiating table here, nobody at that negotiating table for the CBA was incentivized to think of 18-year-olds coming in. You know, the owners had traditionally not wanted it because they want more of a sure thing when they're drafting a player. They want another year of watching them develop before they commit so heavily to one person. But the players, they don't want it either. It doesn't affect like the players that are voting in the player union. This does not affect them. They've already been drafted. All it can do is bring in a bunch of new people to take their jobs. So they're not incentivized to change it. And it just stinks for the players that are, you know, otherwise could be making millions and millions of dollars, generational wealth in a year for their families. And they're not allowed to do it because neither side of the bargaining table wants to get that done. And then the final thing we have is something that's been talked about for, I think, a couple years now, but it's finally going to happen in in-season tournament. So if you're a soccer fan, this is kind of going to remind you of the UEFA Champions League that we have out in Europe with the club teams. It's a little different, though, because obviously we're not mixing countries. It's going to be the same teams. But the details haven't been announced yet they've been reported by multiple outlets so right now the framework is that there's going to be six pools of five teams each group play basically the teams in each pool would be from the same conference now during the first six weeks of the season there would be four designated days where teams would play their group games they'll play each team in their group once two of those games will be at home two of those games will be away and then after the group games are finished. The winner of the six pools, whoever's at the top, 
advances to the single elimination stage, the quarterfinals, basically, along with two wildcard teams who they haven't yet said who they'll be. They could be the top two second-place finishers. They could be the teams who went farthest in the playoffs last year who didn't finish top, whatever it is. Then you've got eight. You go down to four in the semifinals. And then you've got a final. The semifinals and the final would be played on a neutral site. I think they're talking about Las Vegas. The players on the winning team would receive $500,000 incentive. So now, when the schedule for next season is released, each team's only going to have 80 scheduled games. However, the teams that don't make the knockout stage are going to have two games added on later in the end of the year to their schedule while the teams that don't advance to the quarterfinals are only going to play 81 games. The semifinalists are going to play 82 games of the season. The two teams that make the final, though, Hillbilly, are going to play 83 games. So, Are you done? What's that trade-off there? You think they're going to like playing that extra game for $500,000? If you win. If you don't win, you don't get $500,000. But what, what are your thoughts on all this in-season tournament? Well, and that's the, I mean, I think the, so the reward is $500,000. If you win the mid-season tournament, each one of the players on the winning team gets $500,000. Mm-hmm. I assume they don't split it, which wouldn't incentivize anybody. Oh, gosh. Um, but you know, it's also it, like, but... it's not just, is it enough to incentivize them for the one game? It's enough. Is it enough to incentivize them to pay attention to it during the course of all those games during the regular season where you're you know, in, you know, group play and everything. And $500,000 is enough to make, well, might be enough to make, you know, uh, some of the minimum level players really concerned about it. But to the players that we really want to incentivize to just really try hard and give us a good show, you know, your players like uh, Steph Curry or LeBron James and Giannis, like $500,000 is not enough for them to push it further so they're risking injury. And I just, I don't know that they're going to be motivated to really pay a lot of attention to it, but maybe I'm wrong because I, I and I wish I'm wrong, or I hope I'm wrong because it would be a lot of fun to, to have something break up, you know, what can be a little bit of a grind. Yeah. So I mentioned the Champions League that we have in soccer. And that is obvious. And I, I I saw somewhere, I think, that Adam Silver's a big soccer fan. He is. So I think they're trying to model it after this. But the issue is, when you're a club team, when you're Manchester City and Chelsea, you're just playing in the Premier League in England. When you're Bayern Munich and Dortmund, you're playing in Germany. Barcelona and Real Madrid, you're just playing in Spain. Champions League is all of Europe. And to be, you can be the champions of Spain, whatever, but the champions of Europe is this whole nother thing. But this is just... You know, you're playing the same teams and that could work if the, you know, teams actually try and it becomes this, you know, grand thing like the Champions League and soccer is. But $500,000, it's a lot of money. But to them, you know, to the LeBrons and Steph Curry's and the Giannis's of the world, it's not that much. So I don't, we'll see well, how it in, goes. In soccer, but. how how long have they been doing, if not this Champions League, but some version of like oh. an all Europe champion? Many, many years, decades. And, and you know, that just decades. like, you, you know, you build up that way. You know, it's like winning the NBA fi- finals. I, I know they get bonuses, but you get the feeling that they don't do it for the bonuses. 
Like they're, they, there's just something about winning the NBA championship that just is very valuable to them oh, yeah. apart from the money. And that's just something that builds up over a lot of time. And you can try to buy it, you know, with, you know, with money in the, uh, the in-season tournament, but it's just not going to have that cachet with the players for at least a while, I would think. Yeah. If they can make it, you know, so it has that ambiance somehow, some way, it'll work. But if not, I don't know. We'll see. So those are the things we're talking about in the collective bargain agreement, the off the court stuff. Now let's get to our on the court stuff, our playoff preview. We've got 20 teams who are in the playoffs, or at least the play in that we're going to talk about. The game, the play in started Tuesday, the playoffs start on Saturday. Let's talk about these 20 teams. Let's talk about, actually, before we get started, Hillbill, I just wanted to get your thoughts on a team that did not make the play-in. The play-in. Yikes! Didn't even make the playoffs. Last year, it was the Lakers. Everybody was talking about the Lakers, and I don't. they didn't make the play-in, I believe, last year. With LeBron James and Anthony Davis, because they were that bad and injured. This year, it's the Dallas Mavericks. They made the big... Maybe the second biggest splash of the trade deadline when they got Kyrie Irving to add to Luka Doncic, and it, I don't, what happens? Like, there, yeah. what happens? Uh, it was it was definitely the second biggest splash because of Kevin Durant. But it, in in a normal season, it, it would be the biggest by far. I mean, midseason trades or uh, trade deadline trades just are not that big typically. It just you know we talked about this on the podcast and mm-hmm. it was foreseeable that it happened. And it's not because Kyrie Irving hasn't played well. It's just that the, the whole thing does not work. Like they gave up their, their best defensive player in Dorian Finney Smith. And then another really good player in Spencer Dinwiddie to rent Kyrie Irving for what a third of a year. If that, um, yeah. it just doesn't seem like a good idea from the outset. It seemed desperate. Like this was a team that kind of felt that Luca was getting itchy and may not want to stay there the way things were going. Huh. And they made this desperate move, and now I think they're going to be even more desperate. I mean, why would Luca want to stay when you try and keep him and what happens is you don't even make the playoffs? The play in, let alone the playoffs. I mean, you have two top twenty players on the same team. <laughs> you can't yeah. even make the play in, which is just there are 30 teams in the NBA. 20 of them make the play. <laughs> like you two can't thirds. do that <laughs> with wow. two top 20 players. That's a sign of severe dysfunction. And it was, it was an awful team to watch. And it just, it was ugly. And I feel like the clock is almost certainly ticking with Luca. Forget about them because they are not one of the 20 teams that is playing postseason basketball. We've got 20 teams that are. We're talking about the playoffs, time for our playoff preview. We're going to start. Here we go. In the Eastern Conference, 10 teams that are in it. Let's just roll, run down them all real quick. The Bucks are first. Hillbilly, very happy. Celtics are second. Then you've got the Sixers, the Cavaliers, the Knicks, the Nets. Those are the teams that automatically made the playoffs. Then the teams in the play-in at seven, you've got the Heat, the Hawks, the Raptors, and the Bulls. So before we get to the first round playoff matchups, we got to talk about the play-in games. One of these games has already happened. That would be the Heat and the Hawks. We play Tuesday 
at 7.30. So we're recording this Monday night, so it hasn't happened yet. But obviously, when you listen to this podcast, it comes out Wednesday, it has already happened. But the 8th seed Hawks face the 7th seed Heat. The Hawks were in the 8th seed last year in the play-in. This is the first play-in for the Heat. I don't know about you, Hillbilly, but the Heat... I, I don't know if I'd consider myself a fan. I follow them. But they were just terrible to watch this year. They were last in the league in points per game. 109, 109.5 points per game, which you think is a lot, but is the, the worst in the league. 29th in the league in pace. I don't know. Your thoughts about this first play-in game that we got, the Hawks and the Heat? Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that your affinity for the Heat has waned mm. when they haven't had a good year. Um, well, I don't know what that says about your fanhood, but what are you implying? You know, I, the Heat have obviously had a disappointing year. I mean, coming off the year that they had, where they were just what one missed Jimmy Butler three pointer away, That's you right. know, where they really overachieved last year. I'd be a and, fan then if he made that shot. I'd still be a fan, but no, <laughs> sorry. Oh well, um, he should have gone in for the layup and the foul. But anyways, you know, it has been a disappointing year. The Kyle Lowry trade, which was still, I think, a smart move to make. It just hasn't worked out, though. And in hindsight, it wasn't. I mean, he's spent. So sad. And that's that's been tough. And, you know, when so much of your offense has to come from someone like Tyler Hero, who's a complete defensive liability, that's tough. But, you know, on the other side of it, though, Miami is still, you know, one of the best coach teams in the league. That's right. They have you know, a couple of just phenomenal players in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo that are, I mean, Jimmy Butler, we, we know what he is in the playoffs. He's been good this year. The problem has not been Jimmy Butler. Come playoff time, I'm pretty confident we're going to see Jimmy Butler do his thing. And I think Miami's going to be a really tough out and is one of the reasons why, you know, not to blow the prediction here, but uh, one of the reasons why I'm not picking Boston is because I think Miami is going to wear them down. You, spoiler. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Can... <laughs> no, well, so you got the Heat beating the Hawks? So yeah, I have the, I mean, I think the Heat are just, they're a far more disciplined team than the Hawks are. Trey Young is just, I, I don't, I don't think he's in a mindset where he can really lead an NBA team in the playoffs right now. I, I'd just be really surprised to see it. We've seen it from the Heat. They're a very tough team. I think they're going to I would agree. I've got Miami. Talk about Atlanta. I don't want to bring up soccer again. But what they did this year was like almost unknown in basketball because they fired Nate McMillan in February. And then they immediately hire their Quinn Snyder, the jazz coach. Like in soccer is really the only sport where we see you know, the teams fire a manager and then immediately they hire another manager. It's not just an interim manager for the rest of the season, but they kind of like they knew what they were going to (laughs) do. Yeah. They immediately hired Quinn Snyder as not the interim. And, um, you know, how about this set hillbilly? You probably know this, but the Hawks for 33 straight games this year were within one game of 500, which is an NBA record. So they wouldn't win enough games. They wouldn't lose enough games. They were mediocre basically the entire season it's the truth yeah and you know a lot of that is because they don't they've they've just got some roster construction problems that are really difficult to get over and i think in the playoffs it's going to be even worse for them you know we talked about trey young i mean he's he's a he's 
probably the worst defender in the NBA. He's very small. He's not active defensively. Um, he's just kind of got it all when it comes to being a bad defensive player. <laughs> and you know, when you have you know a problem like that, and then in the interior, you know, where you don't have a ton of offense coming inside, you know, Clint Capella is a great defensive center, but he's not going to provide you with a bunch of offense down there. It's just it, it's easy to see a team in the playoffs where they can really figure it out, hone in on those weaknesses, and take advantage of it. So then the other play-in game we've got Wednesday, 7 o'clock tip-off time on ESPN. It's the 10th seed, the Bulls, and the 9th seed, the Raptors. Raptors are first in the league this year in steals and deflections, but Zach Levine is averaging 27 points per game since the All-Star break for the Bulls, Hillbilly. What you thinking in the 9v10 in the East? It's a, it's a tough game to pick. You know, the, the Raptors have had trouble because they just cannot be consistent offensively. Fred Van Vliet's a good player, but you know everybody else has been pretty inconsistent on the offensive side, but they're just defensively, they're crazy good. You talked about the steals, it's because everybody's arms are like 10 feet long. It's really something to watch the, you know, the rangy players that they have out there. But you know, I think that I, I'm going to go with the, with the Raptors here, just because I think that defensively, they can just shut, shut them down. And when you're talking about like not a ton of talent on the other end, um, I think the defense will win out. I agree. I had the Raptors in this game, but I thought it was a close call. It was like Zach Levine could take over a game. But the defense, first and steals, second and second chance points, by the way, too, in the league for the Raptors. So we've both got the Heat. How'd that go? And the Raptors winning those two play-in games. But the Raptors don't automatically advance. They have to play in another game. And that will be Friday, 7.30 on TNT. The loser of the first play-in game takes on the winner of the second play-in game. Both of us have the Raptors and the Hawks. And I think I'm going to go with Atlanta. Just because I think they're going to have the best player on the floor, Trey Young. I don't know. What about yeah, you? it's, it's a toss-up for me, but I'm going to go with Toronto. Just because I think when you've got... You know, two teams that are pretty dysfunctional. The one with the better defense, I think, has an advantage. Yeah, it's a it'll be a close one. So that's the play in for the East. Now we can get to the good stuff. The actual playoffs. Is it actually? In the first round, we start with the one seed, Hillbilly's beloved, Milwaukee Bucks. By the way, Hillbilly, we didn't even mention that earlier this year, you and I got to go to an actual NBA game. We like to talk about, you know, NBA all the time on this podcast and we get to watch it, but we actually got to watch it up close and personal. Your boy, Giannis. It was exciting. We got to go up to DC to see them uh see them play the Wizards. Just I'm sure it was a complete coincidence that also was uh Greek Heritage Night that yes, night. Yes. Which was just unbelievably <laughs> coincidental that, that happened to be the night that Giannis was there to play. Oh, I'm yeah. sure it wasn't like Washington saying, hey, would you like to come play here? <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We were what, about six rows back. Oh, so yeah. it was um it was really cool to be up that close watching. It was good. And thankfully it wasn't a bad game. No, it wasn't. Although it was interesting because you know we picked that game on purpose because it wasn't the tail end of a back to back. And then they moved the game on us and you have no say you can't get your money back. They moved it so that it was not only the tail end of a back to back, but of a travel back to back. 
Um, so I was really worried that Giannis might not play, but he did play. But I do feel like he was he was pacing himself the entire game. Like he turned it on at the end when they had, but he wasn't really kind of going at it the whole time, which, you know, but, but it was, you know, really cool to watch the whole. Yeah, that was fun. Good to know. So they are the one seed in the East for the first time since the 2019, 2020 season, which ended obviously in the bubble. They will face the eight seed. You've got the Raptors. I've got the Hawks, but I don't, Whoever they play, I don't think it, it's going to matter. Yeah, I don't think it will either. I, I think that it's probably a four, maybe a five-game series. This other one, the 4v5 matchup, though, I think might be a little more interesting. We've got the Cavaliers and the Knicks. And I know, Hillbilly, you have not been the biggest fan of uh, Tom Thibodeau in New York, but the, the acquisition of Jalen Brunson, I think, has just been massive for them. Yeah, now, to be fair, I am, I am a fan of... of <laughs> Thibodeau, okay. but I have accurately yeah. predicted what has happened to his teams the last mm. couple of years mm. when they've broken down. I think this team is different. He's playing his role players or his bench players more. I mean, one of them, Emmanuel Quickly, is right in line for the Sixth Man of the Year award. He's he's definitely one of the leading contenders for it, um, which is great for a Thibodeau team. And then, yeah, Jalen Brunson is just really, really, really good and. Boy, could Dallas have used him this year? <laughs> um, yeah, you know we talked about talking about Dallas earlier. I, I mean, just think they didn't have to give up all those players to go get Kyrie Irving. They could have just kept Jalen Brunson, who I'd rather have straight up. Yeah, I mean the Knicks are. I think they're a different team than they have been. I think they've got a lot of good young talent. They've got you know enough veteran leadership. Jalen Brunson plays like a veteran, and he's got really good playoff experience. You know, I think they're a they're just they're a different team than what we've seen in the last few years from the Knicks. But Cleveland, I think, has the potential to be a really great team in the next few years. Well, let's uh, talk about Cleveland because Donovan Donovan Mitchell, his acquisition has obviously been massive for them. He's the only player this season who scored forty points in four straight games. First time players done that since James Harden did it back in 2018-2019. He also scored seventy one points in a game this year. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell really proved a lot this year. I mean, I, I knew he was really good, but I always kind of had a lingering suspicion that part of it was just he was in the right system for him because Quinn Snyder, who we just talked about, you know, was the coach at that point, and he is a very good coach and just had him in a great system. But then he comes over to Cleveland and he has an even better year, and they're just loaded with talent. I mean, Evan Mobley sh- should be in the discussion for Defensive Player of the Year. You know, that defense is, it was throughout the course of the year, it was either ranked number one or number two pretty much all year long. I think it's, they finished number one. Yes, first in defensive rating. So much of that is Evan Mobley. Combining him with Jared Allen, their center, um, who's just another really good defensive player. And, you know, they had the best interior defense other than maybe Milwaukee in the league. And then you had Donovan Mitchell and Darius uh, Garland who are just two guys that can get by anybody they want to when they have the ball. You know, can those, both of those guys are about as good as it comes when it comes to just getting a bucket when you need one. You put all that together, they just, I think they need to cook a little bit more. They need some more role players to fill out the team, but I think they've got enough overwhelming talent to beat New York. I think you're going to pick, I think you just picked the Cavs there. I did too. 
I think I think that the Knicks might win a game, and if they do, I think they'll go out and celebrate like they won the finals, like they did that one year against the Hawks <laughs> in the first round. But I I do think that Cleveland's going to overpower them and win the series. Yeah, now, I wouldn't be surprised if the if the Knicks took a couple games off. I, th- I think the Knicks are a really good team. You'll see it. If you haven't watched the Knicks much this year, if you watch them, you will see it. They've got a lot of really interesting, good players on that team. It's a deep, loaded team with good, solid leadership. And then the 3v6 in the East in the first round is the Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Brooklyn Nets, a battle of Ben Simmons. If he plays, I don't know. But the Sixers are the third seed. Joel Embiid and James Harden are their two top players. Joel Embiid, 33.1 points this year he averaged. That's first in the league. James Harden averaged 10.7 assists, which is also first in the league. They're the first two teammates to win the scoring title and the assist title in the same season since George Gervin and Johnny Moore for the Spurs in 1981 and 1982. Fact, Nugget! How about them Sixers, Hillbilly? It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think I just read something today or yesterday about where Harden's already setting the stage for the playoffs here, advising everybody that he has had a bad, I think Achilles, that he's oh, been playing on uh, for the last couple months, oh which I don't know. We'll see. But you know, they don't need old Harden because they have Embiid, who's you know, right up there in the competition for MVP this year. And Harden and Embiid, when they do their pick and roll together, it's probably one of the best combinations in the league right now. And really, when you just need a basket, that's one of the best options that any team in the NBA has. They're just erratic. And, you know, one minute you can, like, they went on like an eight-game winning streak about a month ago, I think. And it was like, I started to believe like, this is, they're, they're going to just plow through the playoffs. They were killing everybody. And then they just fall off and they just stop playing like that. And, and guys, you know, that are like Tyrese Maxey, who's a you know, great young player, but he also has this tendency to just disappear, you know, for, for games on end. And they have some intrinsic problems with the team too. Like they have almost no perimeter defense. Tyrese Maxey's not a defender. James Harden is the last thing from a you know perimeter defender, <laughs> at least. And they don't really have anybody to kind of fill in there. Um, their interior defense is great, of course, because of Embiid. But you know, I think that's going to be a real liability for them. And the, you know, but <laughs> that said, going up against Brooklyn, I you know Brooklyn this Brooklyn wouldn't be a six seed if they had started the year with the players that they have right now. Yeah. yeah, they're a six seed because they had Kevin Durant on there. Yeah, they did that trade, and I think you did call actually when we did the podcast that they would stay in this in the playoffs at least, not going to the play-in. It was a good trade for Brooklyn. I mean, they wound up doing pretty well with it, and it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, Mikhail Bridges really blossom into an all-around player, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can do that in the playoffs um, because he has been averaging a lot more points than he ever has before with the increased usage that he's had, and he's been relatively efficient. And it's been, it's been fun to watch that happen. But going up against someone like Embiid, that's just, it's such a problem for them. You know, Brooklyn has a really good defensive center in there, but the kid is like a hundred, he's like seven feet tall and 170 pounds. Oh. I mean, Embiid is just going to just run right through him, which he's done when he's played him before. So, I mean, I, I see Philly winning this one pretty, pretty handily, I think. 
Yeah, Mikhail Bridges. I got an interesting stat on him because we said 83 games is how many games the team who plays in the final of the play-in is going to play. But Mikhail Bridges played 83 games this year, obviously because yep. of the trade and how the schedules worked out. He was the first player since Josh Smith in 2015 to play 83 games in a season. But I agree with you, Hillbilly. I think that the uh, 76ers are going to beat the Nets in the first round. Then you've got the final first round matchup, which is the two seed, the Celtics, and the seven seed, the Heat. Hillbilly has already given us his pick, (laughs) which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I saw on ESPN that uh, one of his favorite analysts, Big Perk, agrees with him. (laughs) Congratulations. What, that Boston's going to beat Miami? No, that Miami's going to beat Boston. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not picking Miami to beat Boston. That's what you said earlier. I'm sorry if that's what I said. Oh, no, no, no. Miami's going to give Boston a hard time. Well, that's not what you inferred. Okay. Well, uh, I didn't infer anything. I implied. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, no, what, at least what I meant to say, and I'm actually quite confident I did, um, is yeah, that. Go back. Look at the tape. And I think Miami's going to be a really tough out. And is one of the reasons why, you know, not to blow the prediction here, but uh, one of the reasons why I'm not picking Boston is because I think Miami is going to wear them down. What do you say? Miami is going to give Boston a really hard time in this series. They traditionally play Boston very well. This has been a rivalry since, you know, back around like, you know, the, the big three days with, um, you know, Ray Allen switching teams. They've been, they've both been good teams for a while now. And there's, there's some animosity between them. Players like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo do not go quietly into that sweet playoff night. So I think it's going to be the kind where Boston's going to win it because they just have so much more offensive firepower this year than they had before. I think they're the second um, highest rated offense in the league right now. They shoot more three-pointers than anybody in the league. Um, and they make a ton of them. They just get too much firepower for the Heat. I think they're going to win, but I think the Heat will take. I wouldn't be surprised if they take two, maybe even three games from them. That's what they did last year. That's right. This is a rematch of the Eastern Conference and Finals. And the last Heat year. aren't that different than they were last year, uh, roster-wise. No, record-wise, not as good. But the Celtics, the Heat were obviously the number one team in the East last year. The Celtics finished number two last year. They went to the NBA Finals. Somebody on the playoff preview predicted that on this podcast. Don't think it was Hillbilly, but... Mm. <laughs> you know, but they had the most three-pointers in a game this season. 27. Jason Tatum scored the most points out of anybody this season. He scored 2,225 points. And the Celtics are first in net rating. I do think it's going to be tough. I don't think... I don't... I'll say six games, but I think the Celtics will get past Miami. Sadly. Uh, somewhere deep down inside of me, I am a fan, but I do think this. I would be surprised win. though if it's not six games. I, I just I know Miami's going to get up for this, and I know Jimmy Butler is unless Gosh. he gets hurt. You know what? If Udonis Haslam plays the way he did on Sunday, <laughs> he did dunk the points. ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that was yeah. All right, so that's the first round. We made it to the first round. We made our picks. Second round, both of us have in the first matchup in the quarterfinals. The Bucks and the Cavs. Hillbilly, shock us. Who's going who's gonna to win? 
Well, I, I think that the Bucks are going to win it. Um, really? I, yeah, I know that that's um, a tremendous <laughs> surprise. That's not a fact. I, I think it is pretty. I think it's clear, um, but you know, you never know what's going to happen. But the the Cavaliers, you know, they have those four great players. If you consider Jared Allen to be a great player, you know, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. I guess Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. But then after that, there is such a steep drop off. Like who that third player is. And it's been a Coro a lot of the year, but he's hurt now. So they are kind of scrambling. Like, do they want Karis Levert in there? He's undersized. He's going to create some problems. They just, and they don't have a lot of good role players. They don't have a lot of different ways they can hit you other than those four players. Whereas the Bucks are a much more well rounded team, especially. As you know, they've kind of their team is crystallized at the right time. They're getting contributions from so many different places. I think that the, over the course of a seven game series, which I don't think it'll go to, um, the Bucks will win. Yeah, the Cavaliers they did finish in the regular season first in defensive rating and points allowed. Obviously, they didn't play eighty two games against Giannis. So I've got the Bucks too getting at, getting out against the Cavs. And then you've got the other matchup, which is both of us believe Hillbilly didn't pick the Heat, he picked the Celtics, to face the 76ers, the 2v3. Yeah, Boston has played really well against Philly recently. I think they've won something like seven out of the last eight, and a lot of them kind of handily. Uh, they they match up very well. We talked about the fact that Philly just really doesn't have any perimeter defense. And then you have Boston with these two massive, incredibly athletic wings in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to completely take advantage of that, that liability that they have. It's, I, I don't think that Philly has like the focus and the discipline to just really get it done, especially not to go into Boston in a game seven and win it. Who knows, but I'd be very surprised. I think I've got Boston winning this one. But I think it's going to be, and this is going to be a recurring theme as we go through the playoffs here, Boston's going to have another slugfest here. They just had one against Miami. Now they're going to have another one with Philly. It could, I, I could, I'm going to pick Boston, but I could definitely see Philly giving them trouble because they, in the regular season, were the best three-point shooting team in the league. Tyrese Maxey, as he said is the fifth best. Now, the defense is, you know, but they also have Joel Embiid up front. And James, if James Harden can get it going, then you've got another great guy, Tyrese Maxey. If he can get it going, he can. He was 43% from three this year. Obviously, they can. I'm going to go, I think, seven games in this one. But I do think Boston will pull it out because of Tatum and Brown. And then you've got a better three-point shooter than... Tyrese Maxey, Malcolm Brogdon, who shot 44.4% from three last year. So I've got the Celtics as well. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics, it's, Brogdon's a great one to bring up because their bench is just so much better than it was last year. I mean, remember when we were talking about it last year, Boston was just exhausted by the time they got to Golden State. And they learned their lesson. You know, they got a better player like Malcolm Brogdon to come up off the bench, who's just a great player, a rock solid guy. His only issue had been injuries before. But when you have him coming off the bench, that's not that big of a deal. Yep. Hasn't really affected him this year. So both of us in the Eastern Conference Finals have the one seed and the two seed, just like it was last year. But this year, the one seed is not Miami. 
It is Milwaukee, the Bucks versus the Celtics. Giannis versus Tatum. We all know who Hillboy is going to pick. So I'm going to pick first. <laughs> and I'm going to go with the team that had the longest winning streak in the NBA this season, which I believe was the Milwaukee Bucks. That's a fact. You're welcome, Hillboy. The team that had that averaged the most rebounds per game in the NBA this season, 48.6. Giannis, well, <laughs> you talk about another MVP of performance this year. He averaged 31 points, fifth in the league, ele- almost 12 rebounds. That's third in the league. He had 5.4 fast break points, which was second in the league, 19 points in the paint per game, which was also second in the league. Now, I want you to talk about, though, I know we all know who you're going to pick, but Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, I think, was the reason that both of us would agree that um, Boston beat Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. And he His only played. Was. Yeah. He only played 33 games this year. Yeah. So, you know. Well, last year in the playoffs, Middleton got hurt and right before the Boston series. And. Yeah, I think it's pretty common to hear people say that they thought that Milwaukee would have won that series with Chris Middleton. I mean, Milwaukee had them by the throat in games four and five, just had them. They just didn't have that last thing to put it over the hump. And that was Milwaukee's problem is that their offense had a tendency to just stall out on them. If like Middleton had a bad game, they just, Giannis, of course, is going to get his. But they didn't necessarily have enough other players that could produce on offense, and they've kind of addressed that. But you know, so Middleton missed a good bit of the season, and then he came back, and Middleton has not been himself. And I think that is the one of the biggest concerns for the Bucks is Middleton's status. He's he's not himself. His three point percentage shooting has been horrible this year. Um, I think he's shooting about thirty one or thirty two percent for the season, which for him is really bad. And it's gotten, it hasn't gotten better like we hoped it would. It's gotten worse. Over the last 10 games, I think he's shooting 22% from three-point, which is abominable. That's yeah. Giannis numbers. Um. You know, <laughs> like you can't, you can't have that from a player like him. And then he has slowed down defensively, which is a problem. And then that's compounded by the fact that the guy next to him is either going to be Grayson Allen or Connaughton. Someone around you know that level, not a really solid, strong you know what you would consider an NBA rotation or playoff rotation player. You know those are some weaknesses for the Bucks, and the Celtics don't have those weaknesses. I mean, they've got very solid playoff caliber starters at every single position, going about seven deep, you know, or eight deep. But you know what the Bucks do have though is the best player in the world. And Giannis wow. Antetokounmpo, and he's demonstrated it in the playoffs time and time again, that when it comes down to sheer effort, no one is going to beat him. I mean, he will just leave all of it out there, and he's got more help this year. You know, Brooke Lopez has had his best year. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. He probably won't get it, but he'll probably get the second most votes. He's been that good. And his offensive game you know, both from three-point shooting, where he's shooting very well this year, but also his post-game, which a lot of teams these days are not equipped to handle defensively, has really bailed the Bucks out a lot. 
that, along with the fact that Drew Holiday has probably had his best year as a pro altogether, really has been a much more consistent scorer than he had been previously. I think it's going to really help. They've helped themselves on the bench a lot. Joe Ingles has, he's not as good as he was in Utah. Um, he's old. He just coming off of an ACL tear, but he's exactly what they need, though. He's like a lubricant for the offense. Like he just, he keeps it from getting gummed up. He makes the right pass. He's a very, I think he's shooting well over 40% from three point line this year. He's just a very smart player. He's big enough to not be a complete liability defensively. He was a great pickup. They get Jay Crowder from the Suns at the end. Jay Crowder just had a great game in, mm-hmm. you know, the, the last game that the Bucks played. And he's coming around very good, rugged defender type. They're just, I think they're loaded to the point where Boston's breadth of talent is not going to be able to compete with the peak that Milwaukee can get to when Giannis is in full form, which he seems extremely motivated this year. So you got the Bucks. So I got the Bucks. Gash facts. <laughs> How many games do you think? Oh, I think it'll be seven. Oh. I, 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 I think it has all the makings of being one of the best series we've seen in a while. I mean, these teams are just absolutely loaded. Boston, I mean, Boston is a crazy good team. One good way of predicting and why I'm probably wrong is, you know, you look at the two-way rankings of these teams. Like, you know, how good are they offensively and defensively? And traditionally, you have to be at least around the top 10 in both to win a championship. Boston's second in both right now, which is just incredible. You know, Milwaukee is 15th in offense, which is a problem. Spitting the truth. Like you typically don't win, you know, the finals when you are that low. I think you actually have to go all the way back to last year, though, where Golden State was 15th and they won. But typically that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, those are some hurdles. But yeah, I've got the Bucks. Well, I hope you're not wrong because I think we picked every single playoff round the same in the East. So, yeah. I've got the Bucks as well. And that's the, I think all year long, we've been talking about the rematch between the Bucks and the Celtics from the Eastern Conference semifinals. And the difference this year is that instead of home court advantage for the Celtics, if it goes seven games, it'll be the Bucks. So there you go. Bucks over the Celtics. You hear to her first in the East. But now we're only halfway done with our playoff preview because we got to go now to the Western Conference. Ugh. We've got the Nuggets in first, followed by the Grizzlies. The Kings, oh my gosh, the Suns, the Clippers, the Warriors, those are the six teams that automatically advance the playoffs, and then in the play-in, we've got the Lakers, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then in 11th, the Mavericks, but we're not going to talk about them anymore. But let's go to our play-in matchups. You know, Hibbley, there's a lot to talk about about these Minnesota Timberwolves just from the last game they played because yeah. they're punching each other. They're punching objects. I don't know what's going on with them, but they play the Lakers Tuesday. This game already happened. Tuesday, 10 o'clock on TNT. And um, the Lakers are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. So yeah. I don't think this is going to be close. I think the Lakers are going to win. Handle it. Oh, I... I- don't know. I, I guess I think the Lakers are going to win, but I think it'll probably be close. I mean, the Lakers, the strength of schedule over that time period was, I mean, un- laughable. 
They, I mean, they were they they were playing one team after another that was tanking. Yeah. Um, there really weren't a lot of big wins in that group. Like when Mid or when Milwaukee came to town, they destroyed them. Milwaukee destroyed the Lakers. So it's not. I don't think they're as good as as their their most recent record. I think LeBron is actually playing with a hurt foot, and I think that's going to slow them down a lot. And, you know, Minnesota, they've obviously got a lot of fight in them. Oof. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I say, like, what are they going to... First off, they did win the game on Sunday after all that happened. They did, and it was the most meaningful game yesterday. It was the only game all day yesterday where both teams wanted to win, needed to win. And they still, despite, you know, Rudy Gobert punching Kyle Slow-Mo Anderson. um, Wow. Or, well, actually, I guess he's not slow-mo when it comes to ducking because he didn't actually punch him. He just swung at him. And then Jaden McDaniels just punching the wall, which is just not a... And broke his hand. Broke his shooting hand. So he's done for the rest of the season. And those are their two best defenders. I think they'll probably actually play Gobert, though. No, he's he was suspended. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Okay, because it, for it sounded game. like they were going to play him. But okay, so no. that's going to they really could have used him against Anthony Davis. And <laughs> 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 eh, anywhere that really kind of stinks for them. But but I do. I mean, Anthony Edwards is a awesome player, and you know, Carl Anthony Towns can get you a lot of points. Mike Conley running the show is a just a good stable presence. They still have a lot of ability on that team, and the Lakers are not that good. So I I don't think that the Timberwolves are going to uh, win, but I think that they could make a good game of it. So we both got the Lakers, and then the other matchup Wednesday nine thirty ESPN nine thirty Eastern is the number ten seed the Thunder, the number nine seed the Pelicans. Now the Thunder. They're, and their last 10 games have gone four and six, which is the worst out of the last 10 games for any teams in the playoffs or the play-in. Pelicans, though, haven't had their star player since January 2nd, Zion, and he's not going to play in the play-in. Best case scenario, according to the Pelicans, is that he'll return to practice in the first round. And they were up in the standings in the West, Billy, and of course they've dropped down. They were number one. Ninth. Number they were number one, one in, in the West, West for a while. And then they fell all the way back down, but then they did pick themselves up and they started playing better. And that, you know, coincided with Brandon Ingram, you know, catching stride and, and playing better. Um, he is a legitimate all-star level player. It's just Zion. Like they, what it's his fourth year. And I think he's averaged 29 games a year Yikes! over the course of four years. That's tells you something. It's like he can't get into shape. And, you know, this is what I, I think it's a hamstring issue this time. It's just, it sucks. I mean, it's really, it, it really stinks because Brandon Ingram's also injury prone. And I just feel bad because they were such an exciting team to watch. And you could tell that New Orleans, the city was just getting so excited about them. And now it's like, you cannot count on Zion. It would be shocking if he turned out to be you know, anything like, you know, Mikhail Bridges playing 83 games. (laughs) He's just not that kind of player. And I, I think that the Thunder, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is better than any player right now on the Pelicans. And they are really, 
you know, they're obviously missing their their big draft pick from last year, you know, who got yeah, Chet that got hurt in the beginning. But they do have a lot of really good players around him. You know, not just uh, Shea Gilgis, who, you know, I think Laurie Markkinen's probably going to get most improved player this year. But I would give it to Shea Gilgis Alexander. I mean, he made that jump that I think is even harder. You know, jumping into the level of being like Shea Gilgis is a good enough player that he can be the number one player on a championship winning team. Whoa. They don't have that team around him yet, but he is that good. He, I mean, he's six foot six, super long arms, incredibly fluid score, very good defensively. He's just all around great. So I think the Thunder will probably take that because I just, I don't know that the Pelicans mindset was where it needs to be right now. I picked the Thunder too. I saw something on Twitter because I still scroll around on that app sometimes somebody was talking about how this thunder team could be because remember uh kevin duran and russell westbrook and james harden when they were all very young and it was 2008 or whatever they only won like 28 games and then two years later they're in the finals somebody compared them to that i don't know if you know i don't know about all that but if chet is able to play because he still hasn't played in the nba he could be good Shea Gilgis Alexander was fourth in the league in points. I love Josh Giddy, not just for his TikToks. Jalen Williams yep. scored 14 points. He was Caliban is going to win Rookie of the Year, but I think he's uh, some people's second choice for Rookie of the Year this year. And I think that there's a lot of people that if they had to pick which one they'd rather have going forward, might actually pick Jalen Williams because I could. I mean, Bancaro, I think you could see it being a little bit more. Okay, well, maybe he just had some skills that transitioned immediately, but does he really have the discipline to really just put together that NBA game? Jalen Williams looks like he has all of it and is going to, him and uh, SGA along with Giddy and Chet Holmgren, if he ever plays, and then they still have a load of draft picks coming. Exciting time to be a Thunder fan. Maybe not this year, but we did both pick them to win their play-in matchup. So then now, if they do that, they will play who we believe is going to be the Timberwolves on Friday at 10 o'clock on ESPN. I picked the Timberwolves in this one because they went through all that adversity in that game, and they still won on Sunday. But also the fact that they have Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns is back too. He only played 28 games this year. How long is Rudy suspended for? Just a game. Just one game. So he'll be back. He will be back. Uh, but then we're going to have the problem of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns taking up space in the same team and yeah. Anthony Edwards being vocally upset about it when there's no lanes for him to drive in because those two guys are clogging up the lanes. I don't know. You know, I know Jaden McDaniels isn't coming back. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I think that, again, uh, not to harp on it with Shea Gilgis Alexander, but he's a much better team or player than anybody on the Timberwolves. And that can really be what makes the difference in, in the NBA playoffs. It's just having that player that when it comes down to it at the end of the game, no one can beat him. And I'll, I'll pick the Tim or the uh, Thunder again. Ooh, okay. So I got the Timberwolves and you know, not that it's going to matter in two minutes. <laughs> no, these are the one-off games. These are the play in games. So, you know, Thunder, Timberwolves. Hillboy's got the Thunder. I've got the Timberwolves. For the eighth seed, they're fighting for the eighth seed. Who will play 
in the first round, the one seed, the Denver Nuggets, their first time ever at the end of the season, finishing number one in the Western Conference. So, Billy, how about that? Cool facts, bro. Yeah, it has definitely been their best regular season ever. And I think they are, them and the Kings are kind of trendy picks to underperform in the playoffs. But I think that the Nuggets, I, I think they're for real. I know that defensively, they're not quite, I mean, they, they don't have one of the very best defensive teams in the league, but it's not, it's, I think, 17th. But in the clutch, they are among the very best. All year long, their clutch defense has been great. When they need to turn it on, guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Aaron Gordon can shut people down. Jokic is not a physically gifted defender. But he plays defense like he plays offense, about as smart as you can play the game. You know, he's very rarely going to be out of position. He's very rarely going to make the wrong rotation. And when it comes down to it at the end of a big game, you know, they do have the defense to do it, to go along with an offense that is almost incredibly good. You know, they don't lead the league in points scored either by game or by 100 possessions, which are the usual measures. But that's because they're a much more methodical offense. And, you know, their best, when your best offensive player is seven foot tall and 290 pounds and has to lumber down the court each time, you're not going to be playing at a really high pace. Mm -hmm. But what they are is by far the most efficient. You know, most teams, uh, the best teams, like in the top 10 for field goal percentage, are all hovering about 48% to 49%. The Nuggets are 50.4% from the field goal percentage. I mean, they are by far far the best in the league. So when you just have to score, you just need to have the most likely play that will score. I would take Denver's offense over any other offense in the league. You know, Boston might outscore them, but it's more erratic with the threes. Denver, because they shoot so many threes, Denver is very good from three-point shooting, but having the ball in Jokic's hands when it really matters at the end of a playoff game is probably the best half-court set in the NBA. And I think that's incredibly important. Much more than they will need to win this game. <laughs> or four games. Or, I'm against, sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah, well, Timberwolves or Thunder. Yeah, I think we both got the, uh, the Nuggets in that series of the 1v8. Then we got the 4v5. Suns, who finished tops in the West last year, and the Clippers. Suns, they won 45 games this year. Last year, they ran through the West, 64 games. They won 19 less games. Obviously, last year, their playoff run came to an end at the hands of a team that did not make the playoffs that we've already talked about in this podcast, quite humiliatingly. Do better. But now they have Kevin Durant. He's only played eight games. But in the eight games that he has played in, Hillbilly, the Suns have won all those eight games. Add that to Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul. Yeah, um, again, not to be a wet blanket on it, Uh, but it's kind of like with the Lakers' recent record. If you look at the eight games that they won, they didn't beat anybody. I think the hardest team that they beat was Chicago. Oh, tough team. Yeah, they don't. there were not any real quality wins there. 
But, you know, I'm not saying that Phoenix isn't going to be really good. I mean, they have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the same team. And Kevin Durant can probably fit into any team easier than any player out there. I mean, his skill set just very easily transfers into any offensive system. And he's a much better defensive player than people give him credit for. But other than Booker and Durant, they really just don't have a lot. I think Chris Paul. He did not have a good year. Oh. He had a abysmal end to the playoffs last year. Maybe the most, <laughs> maybe the most embarrassing end to the playoffs oh. that anyone's ever had. I mean, he was absolutely humiliated out there. And I don't think he's going to be a lot better this year. And I think that's going to be a problem for the Suns. But you know, they're going to be playing the Clippers, mm-hmm. and you know, the Clippers bring in their own sets of problems. And, you know, in this, in, in this setup, you know, the Clippers are not going to have Paul, Paul George. So no playoff. Pay. Terrible. Um, you know, Kawhi has been playing great, but, you know, they don't have a really good point guard. Russell Westbrook is not the answer of point guard. They just, they have too many problems on their team. I think that the Suns are going to kind of overwhelm them with, I mean, Booker and Durant are just going to score too many, too much okay. on them. I got the Clippers, actually, in this 4v5 matchup. Now, they don't have playoff P, the Clippers don't, but they do have Kawhi Leonard. They also added Russell Westbrook, who, now, they're not playing the Lakers, but the Clippers have won 11 straight against the Lakers. And Russell Westbrook played in that game I watched with the Clippers and the Lakers, and I thought he played really well. So I think that could be good. Eric Gordon, Marcus Morris... And I did see, I don't know if you saw this, Billy, but we talked about Bones Highland earlier in the year and how he had to get out of Denver. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now he had another huddle confrontation on Sunday with yeah. a Clippers player. So I don't, I don't know if the problem was Denver there. Yeah, um, I, I think it's telling when Denver wants to just, in, in a year where Denver has you know, legitimate championship aspirations, they are telling a very talented player the road that that means that there's a real problem with that player stinger uh, there's something they really don't like and he's very erratic he's had a few really good games for him he's had a bunch of absolute stinkers too so is so is westbrook although westbrook does look better with the clippers than he did with the lakers i just don't you know marcus morris doesn't even play all that much he's not the player that he used to be i think the tomb's probably a better option for him norman powell is where they get a lot of their points from especially with paul george out but they, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, bending defenses the way that they can, I, I think it's too much for the Clippers. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. A couple months ago when we did the podcast, right after the Suds traded for Durant, I was like, I don't know. You know. I couldn't imagine getting him out in the first round, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. Suns and Clippers. That's the 4v5 in the West in the first round. Then we've got the 3v6. The Kings and the Warriors. Little trivia, Hillbilly. So, Kings and Warriors, their first game is going to be Saturday night at 8.30 on ABC. Do you know the year it was the last time that the Kings played on over-the-air broadcast television ABC? Well, it would have been then. Well, their last playoff stint was, what, 2001, 2002? Somewhere around there? That might even be too late. Six. So I would guess that. 
is well, it's 2007. Okay, 2007. But still, yeah. they have not played on broadcast television in 16 years. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. They, yeah, they just uh, snapped the longest active U.S. major sports postseason drought. Congratulations! But you know what? They're here, and they're the three seed in the West. Hillbilly, light the beam. They have a laser beam that comes out of their building. So <laughs> I, that is an advantage that they have because I don't think the Warriors have anything like that. No. And the Kings are um, going to be playing. They're going to have home court advantage in this series. Oh, yeah. uh, Golden State is preposterously bad on the road. It's just, it boggles the mind how bad they have been. Hellbilly. I mean, they're 33 and eight at home. Yeah. Which is incredibly good. Like that's yes. awesome. Yes. Yes. But they're still sixth in the West because their away record is eleven and third. And that's with a couple gimmies at the end of the year that they didn't really earn. Yeah. That's the worst winning percentage on the road for a team that's made the playoffs since the Houston Rockets in nineteen ninety. That was a fact. That's how bad it is. And I you know, it's it's just crazy. And how good they've been at home, but they don't have home court advantage here. But you know, I don't, I don't know that it's going to matter. I mean, the Kings are a, they are the number one. I think they have the number one offense in the league this year, and it's for a reason. You know, DeAndre Fox has had he's about as good as you're going to get at the point guard position. Demontis Sabonis has been great. I think that they were validated for that trade that they made of Sabonis to get Sabonis, the trade they made with Indiana, which got panned a lot when that trade was made, but it seems to have really worked out. It gave DeAndre Fox all the room that he needed to really blossom into being a great player. They are a unstoppable offense. Their defense is bad. It's actually really bad. Oh. I mean, they are 25th in the league, which, you know, they really are more like second to last in the league because Four of those teams that are behind them are the teams that have not been trying to win an NBA game all year long, like Houston, Detroit, Charlotte. So they, I mean, they essentially have about the worst defense of any of the competitive teams in the entire NBA. It's hard to see that with a complete lack of playoff experience that they have. Obviously, none of those players have been since uh, nobody has been in yeah. 20 years almost. When you look across the court and you, you juxtapose that level of playoff inexperience with Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson on the other end, I'm just not voting against them. So I've, I would have the Warriors winning it probably in six. I do too, but I will tell you that that Saturday night game, that arena is going to be crazy. Like it's going to be the ticket prices are insane. And the Kings fans, I mean, 16 years, they're going to be loud. Like that arena is going to be buzzing. Now, if the Kings lose that game on the road that I, I don't know. I've got the Warriors though, too, because even with that terrible winning percentage on the road, you still have the defending champions, not just the defending champions, though, the team that won a couple championships a couple years ago, and you still got Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green's in there somewhere with his Wiggins podcast. should be back, I think they're saying, from whatever it is that happened. You know, it, it, he'll be back. It's just, it's, it's too much. They can turn it on when they need to. 
I don't think the, the Kings are going to, I think they'll be a little bit too starstruck. I mean, the, the, what I think will happen is that the Warriors are going to steal one of the games, one of the first two games, and then that's essentially series over. Yeah. Because game six will be in Golden State, and there's no way Golden State doesn't close it out. But you would say Mike Brown, coach of the year, right? Um, you know, actually, I don't know that I would. I mean, mm. I think it's really close between him and Will Hardy <laughs> in Utah. I mean, Utah well, Utah sense. was supposed yeah. to be down there with Detroit and Houston and Charlotte, you know, with all those horrible teams. But he did such an incredible job. I mean, Laurie Markkinen probably won most improved player. And I think it's because his game did get a lot better. But I think Will Hardy, I, I just did an incredible job of like putting together these groups of this this group of players that nobody wanted. I mean, marketing was just a cast off, and then turning them into this team that just was too good for their own good. I mean, they had to just shut it down towards the end, so they could still get a good draft pick. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Will Hardy's got a good run, but but Mike Brown's going to win it, and he's deserving of it. I mean, the fact that the Kings are back in the playoffs is just an accomplishment unto itself. Like that coach, that's almost a per se coach of the year. If you can get them into the playoffs. That almost stops the analysis right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There go. All right, we got one more matchup in the West, though, in the first round. It is the two-seed Grizzlies, the seven-seed Lakers. Hillbilly, you remember back in the summer league when Chet was playing the Grizzlies, Chet Holmgren, and he was playing this kid, Kenny Lofton Jr., and he was just bossing him around the court. Well, he played, he had his first start for the Grizzlies on Sunday against the Thunder, and he scored 42 points and had 14 rebounds. First player since starts were, began being tracked in 1970, who scored 40 plus points and 10 plus rebounds in his first career start. How about that? I don't think he's probably going to have a big impact in the series with the Lakers, but you know, got to give him some love. Yeah, no, he's just another example of the Memphis cannot miss draft board. I mean, if I was an NBA executive, I would do whatever it took, criminal or not, to get a, a snapshot of the Memphis draft board every year because they do not miss. They keep finding guys like Desmond Bain with like what, like the 26th pick or whatever. You know, they just don't miss. They're they're all good. It's not just Kenny Lofton. They also got you know, Roddy, that is really good. Big body Roddy, I think they call him. Big um, body Roddy. And Adama. They, ha- they just keep bringing in all these really good players. And, you know, they've suffered a lot of injuries in, in the interior part of their roster. You know, they've lost Stephen Adams. That's right. He's not going to play. He's out for the year. He is huge. Because one thing Memphis is not is a good shooting. Bain is one of the best shooters in the league. But absent that, like John ja Morant is a not a good perimeter shooter at all. And he takes them and he misses them a lot. And the Grizzlies were one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. And a lot of that was because of Steven. And when he got hurt, they that's when they started going back down and they were no longer really in contention for the number one seed. And then you compound that with losing Brandon Clark who's also out for the year and who was their number one backup, you know, in the interior rotation. But I don't think that it's going to be enough to where, you know, they can't take advantage of the Lakers problems and Memphis, you know, John Morant for his uh, failings as a perimeter shooter 
is one of the best post players in the NBA, which is crazy to say, considering how small he is. But when it comes to scoring in the paint, he is better than he's better than Giannis, um, at least by the numbers. Desmond Bain is just definitely one of the best shooters in the league. They still have a lot of talent going on there. Jaron Jackson's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year, and rightfully so. And his offensive game is great. He's a great three-point shooter. They've got more than enough to get past the Lakers. So the Grizzlies are first in the league in points in the paint, 58.4 points in the paper game, and percentage of points from the paint. They're 50, 50% of their points came from inside the paint this year. And John Morant, he only played in 61 games, obviously. There's a lot of things going on with John Morant, or there were, because he you know, went to rehab down in Florida, and now he's For what, back. a good couple of days. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was down there for at least a couple of days, so yeah. he should be all better, I would imagine. Then you've also got Dylan Brooks on that team, who, what did you say on this podcast about him? Nobody likes him. Except well, I mean, he's just on probably one team. of the least liked players yeah. in the NBA. I mean, he's just, you know, um, a, a little Draymondy. Oh, really? If that is a, a word, a little Draymondy. Well, you know, the Grizzlies, just like the Celtics, also finished second in the West last year. However, they don't have LeBron James, and you know what? Anthony Davis, for now, is healthy. So I'm, I will pick. Shocker, the Lakers. Probably going to come back to bite me in the butt, but for now, I've got, I'm still going to go with LeBron James, who is the all time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Don't doubt him. This is true. Okay. I, I, his, I think his foot is still hurt, despite the fact that, as he said it, he went to the LeBron James of foot doctors, um, which shows how well he thinks of himself. There you go. (laughs) Um, Because I guess everybody else was saying he had to have surgery. Which means that that foot is pretty messed up. We'll um, get it later. We'll see. I mean, I just, I wouldn't put money on those two remaining healthy. And I think the Grizzlies are still a really good team. Uh, we'll see. Now let's go to the second round of the West. Nuggets, the one seed both of us have. You have the Suns moving on over the Clippers. What do you think about that second round matchup? I think a lot of the consensus has been that, um, or the consensus has been that Phoenix is going to be a really tough matchup um, should that happen for the Nuggets. But I, I don't personally see it. I mean, first of all, Phoenix is the great unknown. I mean, who knows? I mean, how many, how many have they, how many games did Durant play before he got hurt again? Was it like three? Well, he only played in eight. So yeah, not very many. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like he immediately got hurt again. So, I mean, the odds on him making it all the way through, I mean, he's already, at this point, he would have already gone through one series, you know? And so we're in the second series now. I hope he will be playing well, but, you know, assuming health, I I think we can also assume that Chris Paul is not going to be who he used to be. DeAndre Ayton is a good player. He's not a great player. And then after that, there's a really big drop-off. After you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, so much of the focus offensively is going to be on them. And if there's one thing that Denver does have defensively, it's they do have really good individual defenders. Aaron Gordon is probably about as good a player to defend Kevin Durant as you're going to find. He's big. He's not going to get pushed around. He's quick enough to keep up with them. Very athletic. Um, And then Contavious Caldwell Pope 
you know, and Devin Booker, I mean, they're not going to stop them, but they are going to make them have, I think, on average, less efficient games than they normally would have. And when you have a team like Phoenix that probably needs them to have really good, really efficient games in order to win, I think that's going to be a problem for them. And I think that Denver is going to eventually take it. I've got Denver facing the Clippers, but I also have Denver winning. They had the most assists in a game this year with 44. They're also second in assists per game this year with almost 29. And you look at Nikola Jokic, another MVP candidate, for his third MVP. Jamal Murray is back, finally. And then you've also got Michael Porter Jr., who has been injury-prone, to say the least, both when he was back in college at Missouri and also in the league. But he's played in 62 games this year, which I think is a really good sign for the Nuggets to go far. Almost enough to qualify for a postseason. Almost. Not (laughs) enough. So I've got the Nuggets as well going to the conference finals. So then we got the other matchup, who are, both of us have the Warriors beating the Kings, and then someone picked the Lakers, and then another person picked the Grizzlies. I want to hear, oh, I'm going to go Lakers-Warriors. I'm going to go with the Warriors to go to another conference finals, I don't think. First off, if Anthony Davis stays healthy that long, it'd be a miracle. So I don't, I don't know about that. I got the Warriors. And obviously they did it last year. And as a sixth seed, too, they were a three seed last year. They're a sixth seed now this year. That would be impressive. But I just, you can't really doubt when a team has Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green to some extent, too, because they've been there so many times previously. And they're still putting up massive numbers. Like on Sunday against Portland, they scored 55 points in the first quarter. That's the most ever in NBA history in the first quarter. 55 points. This is a fact. Well, I now you need to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, that but was not the Portland Trailblazers they were playing. Please. That, that, that level of tanking by Portland <laughs> was, I mean, you know, look, their starting lineup for that game was Trendon Watford. Ah, yeah, big one. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Knox, you know, who got dumped by the Knicks and can't stay on a team. Uh, Skylar Mays. Mm. Shaden Sharp, who's a good, promising young player, but he's a rookie. And then Janethan Williams. Ah, (laughs) Janethan. They just brought those players in fresh from the street because they just wanted to do everything they could to lose. There was not an NBA team they played, but yeah, I mean, they're the Warriors. They're, you know, they, it, Steph Curry is maybe the most skilled basketball player of all time. It's, it's tough to, to pick against them. Yeah. So what are you like, what are you seeing in that matchup they would have against the Grizzlies? Well, I think that this is where some of the Grizzlies problems come back to bite them, you know, where they lose, they've lost their players, Brandon Clark and, and Sean Adams and, or Steven Adams. One of the problems that they have that they've been tra- able to cover up a lot of times is they don't have perimeter defenders. John Morant is not interested in playing defense. He's absolutely tiny, so he can be pushed around pretty easily defensively. Desmond Bain is not the best defender either. I mean, he's a stocky guy, but he's got very short little arms and just is not a particularly good defender. That's a real problem. If you have a liability at perimeter defense, and you look on the other side of the court, and it's Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson, because he can take advantage 
he knows that John Morant's going to do stupid things on defense and he is going to kill him every time. And I don't know that Memphis is really going to have the firepower to keep up with them. If Andrew Wiggins is back and is playing like Andrew Wiggins, which is a big if, I, I think the Warriors just have too much. I think they're going to get past the Grizzlies. Not a normal six seed, the Golden State Warriors, because they missed Andrew Wiggins for a lot of the year, and obviously Steph Curry was injured for some of the year too. They really haven't been higher than six this year. They were in the play-in round for a lot of the year, and they finally got back up here. Yep, but Steph Curry is himself. You know, Clay Thompson isn't quite. Draymond Green isn't quite, but Steph Curry is, and that is really, really good. On the money. Yeah, which is why I think we're going to have a pretty good Western Conference Finals. Both of you, both of us, think it's going to be the Nuggets and the Warriors, who represented the Western Conference in the NBA Finals last year, but this year the Nuggets are the top seed, Hillbilly. What you thinking? I am going to go with my heart here and go with the Nuggets. I don't know that it's the smartest pick, but I just don't want to pick against them. Jokic is my spirit animal, being the big, tall, goofy, overweight white guy, you know, that still just kills everybody. Gotta love it, you know? (laughs) Um, But he's, uh, I, I do think that the Warriors, you know, I think they can turn the switch. But I don't you know that you can turn it that much. I mean, you know, one of the things that's been brought up a lot is the misconceptions that people had about the Warriors' previous championship teams, that they were just an offensive heavy team, you know, and every one of those years, they had a top 10 defense. They always had a really strong defense every year. This year, they do not. And that's part of what's cost them on the road. I'm not saying that the reprehensible sucker punch by Draymond is the reason for all this, but there's just some obvious friction on the team. Things are just not clicking. It just doesn't seem to be their year from so many different directions. And then you're going up against a team that's just a half-court buzzsaw. I mean, they can score, Denver, I mean, anytime they want. And Golden State does not have anywhere close to the defense to stop them from scoring anytime they want. I, I think Denver is going to win it. And I actually wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it would go to a game seven. Well, I got Denver too. And it's kind of interesting how we both have the one seats. Now, first off, we don't share our picks before the podcast. Just never have, just to let you all know. No one cares. But it is interesting how we both have the one seeds in the finals. Because usually you'd think that would happen in a year where the one seeds are really so dominant like they winning 65 games but the nuggets won 53 games this year the bucks won 58 like they weren't overly dominant no No, the 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 nuggets only winning 53 games is the lowest win total for a western conference regular season champion since i think it's like 1981 or something Fact. i mean it just never ever ever happens and that's the parody. And that's why, I mean, you know, take that prediction about Denver with a grain of salt. Because in all honesty, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, there's never, I don't ever, ever remember a conference being this upper grabs. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because coming into March Madness this year, in college basketball, there wasn't really, you know, 
teams that separate or a team or a couple of teams that really separated themselves. So people were like, well, there's means there's a lot of parity. So what's going to happen? And it turned out, you know, there was a four seed and a five seed and a nine seed. It could obviously happen the other way. So I've got the Nuggets. You talk about Jokic, obviously 24 and a half points per game to almost 12 rebounds, which is second in the league and almost 10 assists. He was only 0.2 assists away from a triple double season. Which he he could have done. If it mattered to him, he could have done that. I just don't think that he particularly no. cared. Would have joined Westbrook and Oscar Robertson as the only players to do that. But yeah, okay. Uh, you know. Nuggets and Bucks. Big game alert. Oh boy. Both of us in the NBA finals, the one seeds. If this happened, it would be the first time since twenty sixteen. That, you know, in the 2016 finals, we're going to look back on as, you know, legendary for Cavaliers and Warriors. Warriors up 3-1, Cavs come back, win Game 7, the LeBron block in Oakland in that Game 7. I don't know, Hillbilly, but these are two really, <laughs> maybe not, uh, you know, the gravitas that that Cavaliers-Warriors series had for the Bucks and the Nuggets, but 2-1 seed should be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should, but I don't. Think it's going to live up to the hype. I, I oh. think that Milwaukee's going to shred them. I think they'll win it in five. Oh. Um, I think that you know a, a problem that Denver has is their interior defense. Jokic, you know, God love him. His his advanced stats are just the best in every category, but he is not a rim defender. They don't. Aaron Gordon's an okay rim defender, but they don't really have rim defense. That's a massive problem when Giannis Antetokounmpo comes to town. I mean, he is going to just shred them for that. Nobody can stay in front of Giannis. And if you don't have somebody that can really make Giannis think twice about dunking, it's just over. And he's going to have, I think, very efficient games throughout the series that's going to really set the tempo for the team. And I just don't. And then on defense, they they will be able to do enough to slow down Denver to make them more inefficient. Uh, I think Milwaukee will run right through them. Really? All right. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> but me, the Nuggets, as you said earlier, Hobley, shot 50.4% from the field this year. That was not just the highest in the league this year. It was the highest we've seen in a regular season since the Jazz back in 1994 and 1995 shot at a 51.2% clip from the field. Judge Xander. So legendary historic shooting from the Nuggets this year. But when you take a look at teams that have to, that can win the NBA Finals, and I like to talk about this a lot with my March Madness brackets, to actually, you know, make it to the end, you have to have depth. And I think the Nuggets have that, but they've also got the star power that they need too, with Jokic and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., assuming they're healthy, the reason they're, you know, they're up here and they could make it to the finals, though, is because they've been healthy. And Aaron Gordon and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who has one and a half steals per game, they were fourth in three-point percentage this year with Jokic. They were also fourth in points in the paint this year. So, even though Hillbilly loves the Bucks, and they had the longest winning streak in the NBA this year, and they were top in the NBA in rebounds this year, and this would be their third 
finals win, I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets in their first ever NBA Finals appearance to win the NBA Finals. How about that? Sanders facts. Well, um, that's your opinion. <laughs> Sanders facts. There you go. I, you know, you say they have the better, um, they or that they have the depth to do it. I think Milwaukee clearly has better depth. I mean, well, better. Den- Denver's got a better, a more well-rounded starting five. Like they don't have a problem in their starting five the way that Milwaukee does with Grayson Allen. Um, well, I, I can't root for Grayson Allen. No, never. Please. <laughs> Actually, it's <was laughs> funny mean, because we were we went to the game in D.C. and obviously you got a lot of ACC fans in D.C. and a lot of Maryland fans too who hate Duke. And Grayson yeah. Allen was, yeah, did not get the best reactions he's not a he's not a likable guy i mean you don't accidentally trip people that often you just don't (laughs) like at some point it's intentional but you know they when you get past their starting five on denver it gets really shallow really fast bruce brown is great he's a Mm. great great player coming off the bench their next best player coming off the bench is a rookie named christian bro oh from kansas He's sure, a national champion, he's, Hillbilly. He's a rookie well, in the NBA Finals. Probably your second best player coming off the bench. Please. That's a real problem when compared to that, Milwaukee's bringing Joe Ingles, Pat Connaughton, Jay Crowder, Bobby Portis, who I think should be the sixth man of the year this year. They are truly deep. I, that's going to be a problem for Denver as well. They're all just names, please. Give me a break. <laughs> all right. So, well, I mean... We're talking about two top guys in Giannis and Joker, and I think Embiid enjoyed them in the race for the MVP. Who's your MVP this year? It's really, really close. Jokic wins on all the advanced stats by so much. He just he plays such a smart game, but he is a below-average defender. I think a lot of people say that he's at least an average defender, but I'd have a hard time finding 15 centers in the league that aren't better than him defensively. And compared to Giannis and Embiid, who are the other two front runners, they're both incredibly good defensively. I mean, I think Giannis is the best defensive player in the year. And I know that's a big surprise given my unbridled mm. love for Giannis. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, you know, he's the only guy in the league that can truly guard anybody. He can guard John Morant. Like, if, if he got isolated on John Morant by himself out on the perimeter, it's not a problem. Nobody else anywhere near Giannis's size can say that. And then on the flip side, he can guard and be. He's big enough to do that. He's just phenomenally from that perspective. You talked about his, his points per game, his rebounds, and his assist stats. There's only, the only other player that's ever done that, ever, is Will Chamberlain. True, true. Which is that? always a good stat to throw out, you know? <laughs> But then again, Embiid is leading the league in scoring, and he's been absolutely dominant. And he has the recency bias with that big game against Boston, where he put up what like fifty-two points and just played a, a wonderful game all around. You know, he doesn't have the free throw shooting liability that Giannis has. He's actually an okay three-point shooter, although maybe he shouldn't take as many of them as he does. And he hasn't ever won it before. I think Embiid's going to get it. Personally, I think Giannis is the most valuable player in the league, and he's the player that I would take number one if we were redrafting the whole league. Uh, but I think this is going to be the year where Embiid gets it, and I think it's close enough that you know I, I understand. The it. meat writing is real. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I think so. I think 
Jokic does have the disadvantage of winning it twice in a row, which I think is probably going to skew some people, some voters the other way. Yeah, you don't you don't want him doing something that nobody's done since Larry Bird, and then coupled with that fear that a lot of people you know in the the NBA circles have that they're going to flame out in the playoffs, like that would suck for him to do what Larry Bird did, and then once again not do it in the playoffs. Um, you know, would stink. Well, but it won't have. They'll win the championship. It won't happen. There you go. Sure. There you go. Sanders, but facts. I think it's. I think it's going to be indeed, and he deserves it. There you have it, Sanders facts. All right, Hobilly. There you go. That's our extensive, fact-filled NBA playoff preview. The playoffs begin on Saturday. NBA Finals expected to begin on Thursday, June first. You can watch all the games in the playoffs on ABC, ESPN, NBA TV, and TNT. Another date to remember, though, Hillbilly, is Tuesday, May 16th. That is the day of the NBA draft lottery. You got the Pistons, the Rockets, and the Spurs all have a 14% chance at the number one pick, which gives you the rights to Victor Wembenyama. It could be really exciting to see. And remember some of these play-in teams that we talked about, if they lose, their consolation prize is a shot at that number one pick. Not of a good one, but and it is supposed to be a loaded draft. Yeah. So that'll be interesting as well. All right, Hillbilly, our Xander's Facts NBA playoff preview for the 2022-2023 season. And our Xander's Facts NBA senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, was here to go along the ride with us. Hillbilly, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Xander's Facts. There you have it, y'all. You heard it here first. The Denver Nuggets will be the champions of the NBA. Hellbilly's picked the Bucks like all three years we've done this. He's only been right once, so I don't... Uh, we'll see. But there you go. Thank, thanks once again to Hillbilly for coming on the podcast once again this week. He's going to be on later in a couple weeks again as we get through the playoffs to kind of digest what we've seen and preview what's to come. Get ready. Look out for that in a couple episodes here on the Xander's Facts Podcast. But that is all the facts that we have for this extensive episode 101 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening. If you made it to this point, you are a true Xander's Facts fan. But I just wanted to remind you all that if you liked all the facts that we had on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 101, rate and review the podcast. Then go on all our socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Facts. That's Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it around here. Spread the facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, episode subscription, sign up. Xander's Facts is on YouTube, too. All our new episodes, including this one, get posted on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's got the nice background that you can listen to so you can kind of zen out. It's pretty cool. Check out Xander's Facts on YouTube and the Xander's Facts link tree because it has the YouTube link. It has the Xander's Weekend Facts link. It has the socials link. It has where you can find the podcast everywhere. It's got all the Xander's Facts links that you need. Xander's Facts link tree also linked in this episode's description. That is episode 101, y'all. Episode 102 is coming out in two weeks because next week we're going to have a Xander's Facts flashback. As I said, our 100th episode was last week, so you should go listen to that because that was pretty cool. We had a lot of facts on there. But also, 
it's a little, it's a little exhausting putting out podcast episodes with so many facts every week. And we had so many facts this week, I was like, quit whining. That's enough facts for two weeks. So next week, we're going to have a Zader's Facts flashback. Facts that have already been said on this podcast, but maybe facts that you haven't heard before because you missed that episode of the podcast. So make sure also to tune in because we are going to have something on the Zader's Facts podcast feed next week. Check it out. Zader's Facts flashback. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 101 of the Zader's Facts podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 102 in two weeks.